Good morning, everybody. I'm glad Chris warmed you up to some interaction this morning because as we begin our Christmas series, I've got a question that I'd like to hear some participation from you. So I'd like to hear some answers from you. And here's my question. When in your life have you experienced great joy? And I don't mean just like a little bit of joy, like you were a little bit happy about something, but you were so filled with joy, you had to share it with other people. Graduation. graduation. You graduated, like all of us. Yes, graduation. Birth of my sons. Birth of your sons. Yeah. Same thing. So birth of, birth of children. Children. Yeah. Yeah. And usually, uh, my wife now four kids, usually for us, the experience was the first two was like joy mixed with panic. Like, are they really going to let us take our kids home? Like I lose my keys. Like, I just don't think it'd be good to lose my kid. And then my other two was much more joy. Anybody else? Marriage. Can we just applaud Bob for that? Like Rosie, I think that's that's worth points the rest of the year. He did that in church. Awesome. All right, anybody else? Receiving Jesus. A moment of incredible joy that lasts a lifetime and beyond. Anybody else? When your son got baptized, that's another moment of great joy. Very, very cool. Very cool. Well, listen to how some shepherds We'll answer that question almost 2,000 years ago. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, describes the night that Jesus was born. So I want you to kind of put yourself there. Like, what if you were one of the shepherds and this happened to you? What would your experience be like? So verse 8 says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, can you imagine what that moment must have been like? You know, here we've got these shepherds kind of just doing what shepherds do. They're out in their fields, taking care of their sheep. And then all of a sudden, an angel appears, followed by the armies of heaven. What do you think your emotional experience would be if that happened? I think it would be similar to what that passage said. They were terrified. And I think after we got over that moment of like intense fear and heard the message that the angels would share, then I think that would roll into some incredible joy, some great joy. But as I think about what that angel said this Christmas season, and I think about how it applies to us as Christ followers, I, I wonder if we're not experiencing the type of joy that that angel talked about. 
you know, it seems like we don't really experience great joy in our lives. And if you're a Christ follower, I think we should. I think we should experience more joy than we typically experience. And I think there's some reasons why we don't experience great joy like that angel was talking about. And the first reason is I don't even know if we fully understand what the word joy means anymore. I think we attribute it to some happiness maybe. Um, and that's part of joy, but I, I think joy is much bigger than just happiness. And I don't even think we use the word joy very often, except around Christmas time. Around Christmas time, we put up decorations that say joy. We drink out of coffee mugs that say choose joy. We sing songs that tell the whole world to have joy. And yet around Christmas time, joy often eludes us. And I'm reminded every Christmas season that Christmas is not always a joyful time of year for everyone. I was talking with somebody last week, and they were speaking about the loss of someone significant in their life. And they said, uh, Christmas is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It reminds them of their loss. It reminds them of their loneliness. And then those who maybe haven't experienced a loss or loneliness like that, I think we can all identify around Christmas time with the busyness that happens. And it seems like we kind of start the season, or at least I start the Christmas season this way, like, wow, I love this season from Thanksgiving to the New Year. This is great. And the more it rocks on, the more we're pushed by commercialism to go buy more, and we're trying to keep from drowning you know, in debt and losing our sanity because we didn't buy the right thing or got to buy that thing, or what do I buy? I don't know what to buy that person. By the end of the season, it seems like many of us are just in the spot of saying, like, let's just be done with Christmas. Can we just start the new year? Like, I'm done with all that joy stuff. And, and then when I, when I think about joy and Christianity, sometimes it seems those two words don't go together. Sometimes the, the people who are supposed to be the most joyful are the most joyless. I recently read what one non-Christian said about Christians. So listen to this description and see how true it is. It said, Christians seem to have a religion that makes them miserable. They're like people with a headache. They don't want to get rid of their heads, but it hurts to keep them. Isn't that a sad like, description of Christians? But I think it's partly true. And if you're here today, maybe you're not a Christ follower. Uh, maybe you're here just kind of checking out church, just kind of you know, it's Christmas time. Maybe you've you know, felt some inkling to come and um, just kind of check out our church environment. And maybe one of the reasons you aren't a Christ follower is because Christ followers don't experience much joy. And you wonder, why would I want that? Why would I want what you have if it's not really working for you? So what I'd like to do today as we begin this Christmas series is I'd like us to discover joy a little bit. And spend some time exploring that and how possibly we can have more joy in our own lives. And I think we will be surprised at how many opportunities for joy we have in our lives. Now, I'm going to start today with a definition out of Webster's Dictionary for joy. So the primary definition for joy in the dictionary is this. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, 
or good fortune or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Now, with all due respect to Mr. Webster, whoever is now deciding what words mean, I think that may be how we define joy, but I'm not convinced that's how God defines joy. I think God defines it a little differently. And I think that definition kind of leans towards happiness and is a good definition for happiness. But again, I think joy and happiness are a little bit different. They're very similar, but I think we can discover some differences from them and hopefully we'll do that today. And in the Bible, we don't have like a real specific definition of joy like we do the word faith. So when we look up faith, we can find, hey, there's a biblical definition for that. When we look up the word joy, we don't specifically get a a biblical definition. We get some examples of people experiencing joy, how they experience that joy, and then how we can experience joy. So we're going to explore that a little bit today. As we begin, I'd like us to look at some other definitions of joy, some definitions that some Christian leaders have come up with recently, and I think there's some great content in this that we can learn together from about joy. So first off, Pastor John Piper, fairly well-known pastor out in the Minnesota area, he defines joy this way. He says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. I think that's a great definition of joy, especially from a Christ follower's standpoint. And one of the things that I like about that is it reminds us that joy is an emotion. Joy is an emotion that's based on something. It's not a conviction. It's not a belief. It's not an idea. Joy is an emotion, again, that's based on something. We'll get back to what our joy should be based on in a minute. But here's why I think it's important for us to remember that joy is an emotion. Some Christians, some church experiences have forgotten that we can have joy, that we can experience the joy of a relationship with God and that should show up in our lives in an emotional way where we can see it and other people can see it. And I grew up around some church contexts like that where there was this kind of separate thing when it came to a relationship with God around those Christ followers, around those churches. It was like, you know, being a Christian and being joyful and having emotions was a a separate thing. It, it It was different. It was something that you probably shouldn't have together. And if you were super excited about your faith, so excited that you wanted to share with other people and you had like this glow in your eyes and this smile on your face, you want to tell people the good news that maybe somehow you were less mature spiritually because mature Christians always have their emotions in control and they're never super excited about anything. They may be joyful, but they're certainly not happy. And that that kind of mentality sucks the life out of faith, sucks the life out of what it means to have a relationship with God. And those Christians, I think, forget that God made emotions and emotions in and of themselves, they aren't bad. God made joy. He made happiness. He made sadness. He made anger. And by themselves, they aren't bad things. 
So I think it's really okay for us as Christ followers to experience an emotional joy that, that shows itself in how we behave and how we live. I think we should have that. But on the other hand, if our experience as Christ followers is tied to our emotions, I think that can be a bad thing. If we're chasing every emotional high that we can chase because we think our relationship with God is based upon how we feel in the moment, I think that can lead us to some bad places. Has anybody ever been, to a, been led to a bad place by your emotions? I have been. And I thought it was great at the time. I'm like following my emotions. Like, man, this is gonna be awesome for me. This is gonna be fantastic. And I ended up in a train wreck. I'm like, what happened? Oh, you followed your emotions. Yeah, they don't always lead you to good places. So we need to, to know that emotions are a good thing and we, we can have those emotions, but we need to lead our emotions and our relationship with God towards that deeper thing that he wants us to have. So joy is an emotion, but it's based on something. Listen to what Kay Warren says. Our joy as Christ followers should be based on. If you're not familiar with her, she is an author and the co-founder of Saddleback Church in California, and her husband is Rick Warren, if that's a name that you know. So she says this. She defines joy this way. She says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. It's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is gonna be all right. And it's the determined choice to praise God in every situation. I think that's a great definition of joy for Christ followers. And listen to how that's backed up in scripture. So in James chapter one, verse two, we have the brother of Jesus speaking about joy. And he says, when troubles come your way, So I just want to pause real quick and ask, has anybody had trouble come your way? Yeah. Can we, you know, lift all of our hands and feet? Um, Some of you may have trouble right now in your life. We all have trouble that comes our way. And James says, listen, when trouble comes your way, here's what you're supposed to do. Consider it an opportunity for, what's those two words? Great joy. Now, How many of you, when you see trouble coming your way, go, yes, great joy is about to be here in my life? Like, most of us don't experience that. You know, I don't. When I see trouble coming my way, usually I'm like, oh, no. Trouble? Like, really? Why now? Why that? How are we going to get through this? I, I see it as an opportunity to, to worry, to kind of stress out, to, to kind of be frustrated, angry, take out my frustrations on people I shouldn't take them out on. I don't always see trouble as an opportunity for great joy. But look at what can happen if we kind of change our perspective on joy and trouble. Verse 3 says... For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be, com- you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So trouble can grow joy in us in a way that other things can't. And I think that's one of the main differences between joy and happiness. 
So happiness seems to be tied to things around us. So when something good happens, I'm happy. When something bad happens, I'm sad or frustrated or angry. But God says joy can tie you to something greater that's not tied to the emotional roller coaster of life when you let your emotions lead the way. Joy is tied to something greater, tied to someone greater. And it can, ex- it can help us experience a relationship with God that we can't even begin to imagine until we start learning to see trouble in a different way. Now, some of you may have your great opportunity for joy sitting next to you. Don't look at them right now. It may be awkward. But maybe trouble for you is a relationship you're in. And maybe it's a tough relationship. Maybe you're in a rough season. Maybe, you know, you showed up today and you're like, I'm not sure we can make this last much longer. Maybe it's been rough for you. And maybe God wants you to see that trouble as an opportunity for great joy. Maybe your opportunity for joy happens the next time you go to work. And I know many of us kind of view work as like, really, I got to do that. I don't want to. Maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you don't like your boss. Maybe you don't like your employees. Um, But maybe as you go to work next, maybe you could see that trouble as an opportunity for great joy. Maybe your opportunity for great joy is in your body right now. Maybe you're wrestling with some health issues. Maybe your body's kind of giving out on you. Maybe you don't know what's going wrong. Maybe you're going from doctor to doctor looking for answers. You can't find them. Maybe they've found something, but they're trying treatments. Maybe the treatments aren't working. Maybe you have an opportunity for great joy in your body every day when you wake up and go, this thing isn't working. But it could be an opportunity for you to discover a joy that we can have on the other side of trouble and pain and sorrow. I want you to listen to how Jesus dealt with trouble in his life and joy. And this is going to kind of mess with our typical definitions of joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Like, that's an amazing perspective to me. And I wonder, how many of us would have that perspective? How many of us would look beyond the cross, the most horrible way to die, and go, you know, beyond there is this joy, this amazing joy where I can help people that I've created have a relationship with me that lasts for eternity. And because of that, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to endure this horrible situation. Jesus knew that joy often lies beyond trouble, beyond pain beyond sorrow. And just maybe, if we change our perspective of trouble in our lives, we might see how many opportunities we have for joy that God has provided. Then Jesus tells us in John 15, another way to develop more joy in our lives. In verse 10, he says, when you obey my commandments... You remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, 
your joy will overflow. So how can joy overflow in our lives? It's when we obey God. But how many of us view obeying God as an opportunity for joy? Many of us view obeying God as this thing we have to do, this drudgery. I go, I got to obey God. I guess I got to forgive that person. I guess I got to go like be Christian-y, you know, around the office, you know. You know, often we don't view obedience to God as an opportunity for joy, but Jesus says it's an opportunity. And maybe some of us aren't experiencing joy in our lives because we're disobeying God in some area. And I think you would probably know that area. I don't think you'd have to like, you know, search, you know, your whole life. Like, what am I doing? I don't know. I don't know. If you got to look that hard, um, it's, it's probably standing right in front of you. You may be disobeying God, not experiencing joy because there's something you got to do. Something God said, listen, I want you to do this or I don't want you to do that. And you've been ignoring God. So if you want to experience more joy in your life, you've got to address that issue. You've got to come around and say, you know what, I'm going to obey God and discover what joy can happen in my life, how joy can happen in my life when I do that. Listen to the author of Psalms, and he talks about obeying God and joy in Psalms 119, verse 1. He says, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. And as I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. So what if we kind of live that as Christ followers? What if God's joy so transformed our lives, it was evident to other people and to us? So I want to run through some scenarios. And some of these scenarios might mess with you, but I think that's okay. So the first scenario, what if tomorrow morning when you wake up, you chose to be joyful all day? Like, I know, I know, that's craziness. Like, why would I mess with you in your bed and getting up? Like, that's just nuts. But what if instead of waking up and uh, kind of adopting whatever you feel in the moment for your emotion for the day, and I feel pretty crappy. Like, I don't want to be up right now. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to interact with those people. What if instead of choosing to be blah or choosing to be a jerk or choosing to be like non-emotional or prickly all day, what if you woke up and said, God, regardless of how I feel right now, today I'm choosing joy and I'm going to choose it all day long. And then what if you walked into work with a joy-filled smile? Like you were happy to be there. Like, you want to mess with people at work? Show up like that. And they'll ask, like, are you okay? Like, you've been smoking something? Like, you out last night drinking something? You know, what, what's going on for you? Like, just show up and live out what Colossians 3.23 says. It says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. What if we work that way? What if we had so much joy because we're like, ah, I don't work for my boss. I work for God. 
So I'm just going to work with excellence. I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to maintain joy all day long, regardless of what happens. Something bad happens. My, my life is not tied to happiness. It's not tied to good things or bad things happening. My life is tied to joy, and it's tied to the one who brings me eternal joy so I can be happy all day long. Okay, now let me mess with you a little bit more. So we've got Christmas coming up. So usually we have Christmas gatherings and we get with family and friends and we celebrate the, the birth of our Savior. And sometimes those gatherings are not all that joyful. Sometimes family comes in town and we can't wait for them to go out of town. And sometimes there's like a family member that's really hard to deal with. Like maybe you got an aunt who's always like picking in your life and, you know, like really irritating you, asking all kinds of crazy questions that you don't want to answer in front of the family around, around Christmas. Or maybe you've got a family member who loves to bring up politics. And we know how that can go around Christmas, right? And that's super fun. And so instead of at Christmas time, those family gatherings, instead of like, you know, keeping your head down, like, I don't want to make eye contact with those people. Let's just get my plate of food, go eat in the corner, and then maybe this thing will be over and go home. What if you had so much God-filled joy, you engage those people? What if you step towards them instead of away from them? And what if your emotional experience that day wasn't based upon happiness, wasn't based upon what they bring up or what they don't bring up? Or, you know, the, the conversations they get into or don't get into. What if your experience that day was you overflowing joy that God has given you because you were so super excited about the good news that the creator of the universe came to earth for you and died so you can live? What if? And again, I know that's all crazy talking, just, you know, speculation. But what if? What if we really lived such joy-filled lives that other people saw it. Who might be transformed by it? Maybe us, maybe them. Here's a final way that we can experience more joy in our lives, and this gets us right back into our Christmas story. So Luke chapter two, the angel told the shepherds, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And then verse 15 says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, that's nice, what's for dinner? <laughs> they didn't say that. So in verse 15, they said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby, God in the flesh, lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart thought about them often. Then the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So the shepherds went and told everyone. They didn't hold it to themselves. They didn't say, well, nobody's going to believe us. You know, like, you're never going to believe it. Like the armies of heaven, the angels of heaven showed up tell us about the birth of the Messiah. And most of the you know, community would be like, yeah, whatever, you're right. Like you hang out in fields and you, know, you clean up after sheep. Like, <laughs> sure. Like no one's gonna believe us. They didn't care about that. They said, people have to know what we've seen and what we've heard. 
They were so joyful. What about you? There's somebody in your life that you need to share this with. You need to share the good news with somebody at home. Maybe somebody at work. Maybe somebody at school. And if you've ever felt like, you know what, they're not going to believe me if I tell them about the good news. The shepherds felt that way. But that didn't keep them from sharing the good news. So who might you need to share the good news with this Christmas season? I have a friend in my life that I've been trying to share the good news with over the past few years. And uh, this guy's kind of an interesting guy, um, kind of a gruff personality. Um, He loves to antagonize me about faith. He's not a Christ follower, and so he loves to pick at me about faith. And, you know, I engage it, and sometimes we get into some great conversations. Other times, it's not so fun. Um, So in preparation for this message, I felt like God putting him on the forefront of my mind. And I felt like God whispering to me, hey, you need to go have a conversation with this guy again about the good news, and you need to invite him to church. Here has been my response to God when I've kind of felt God impressing that upon my heart. Really? Come on. I mean, like, like every time I talk to this guy about faith, he like antagonizes me, you know, makes fun of me, kind of picks at me. And I've invited him to church before. And every time he laughs and says, no, I'd rather go do something, says something inappropriate. And I'm like, yeah, like, ah, this is a tough thing. But God has whispered to me again. If this guy dies without experiencing the good news that can bring him great joy, he'll spend eternity apart from me. And here's the sad reality. I think, and I I could be wrong, but I, I think I may be this guy's only friend. He doesn't have any family, and he really doesn't have any friends. That's kind of a sad statement. If I'm like your only friend, like you're in a bad spot. So... God's placed me in his world, and and however we've had this relationship, this friendship, I think the primary reason is for me to tell him the good news and keep telling him the good news. And maybe one day he'll respond. Maybe one day he'll experience the great joy that the good news can bring to him. So what I'm going to do is I am going to find some time to go spend with my friend And I'm going to invite him to church. I'm going to take some of these invitation cards. And on your seat, we've got two types of cards. We have round ones for people who like circles. We have rectangle ones for people who like rectangles. So pick your shape, grab a bunch, take them with you, invite anybody and everybody to our Christmas service. So I'm going to take some of these and uh, I'm going to go spend some time with my friend. Now, if... This guy comes, I might just die on stage. Like it might be like, you might like look at me and then I'm I'm dead, I'm out, I'm gone because this guy walks in. If that happens, somebody please befriend him because then he'll have no friends and he really will need to hear about the good news. But I really hope that this guy will come. And here's what I know. Everybody is one tough situation away from flinging the doors open their heart to Jesus. Some people are like, nah, I don't believe in all that. And then, bam, train wreck in their lives. And, and they're wrestling with financial issues or health issues or relationship issues. And maybe in that moment, then they're open to some good news that just might bring them great joy. So I hope that'll happen for my friend.
I hope that'll happen for your friends as well, and your coworkers, your family members, people in your neighborhood, people maybe you spend time with in our community. So who might you need to share the good news with that just might bring them great joy? So what we're going to do as we end today, our worship team's going to come back out and they're going to lead us in singing. What, uh, what Christmas carol would be appropriate for what we're talking about today? Hey, you've heard that song. Yes. So we're going to sing joy to the world today. And what I ask you to do as we sing this, you'll stand in just a minute. I'll ask you to stand in just a minute. So I asked you as we're singing, would you, if you don't have joy, would you pretend you do? Would you sing in such a way that you're kind of going through the scenario I gave earlier? Like, what if? What if I sang today in such a way that I showed God I have great joy? What if I like really experienced that? What if I really showed that to God and to the world? What if I left here and lived that joy all week long? So what I ask you to do as we stand is just sing your heart out. Sing, let the joy of the good news that can transform our lives be sung by you today. And then I encourage you this week, as you kind of think back through this message, I encourage you to ask some questions of yourself. Like, am I living with joy? Especially if you're a Christ follower. Like, do you go to work with joy? Do you, you know, live with joy at home? Do you go to school with joy? Do people see joy? Would people say that about you as they look at you? Would they say, that's a person who lives with joy? I mean, I believe everything they believe, but wow, they believe it, and it shows in their life. And then kind of think back through what we've talked about this morning. Do you need to address a, a joy issue in your life, like an obedience issue? Do you need to say, you know what, God, I, I got to get serious about obeying you in this area. Um, do you need to see trouble in a different way? Maybe there's some trouble in your life currently, and maybe God's saying, you know, your big action point is to see that as an opportunity for joy. So what do you need to work on when it comes to joy? I hope you'll start working on that this week. So let's all stand together, and then I'm going to pray, and then we are going to sing like you've never sung before. All right, let's pray. So God, we are grateful for the joy that we can have in our lives. We're grateful that, that you brought us good news that can bring great joy to all people. And we can experience this joy every day in our lives, and you want us to. So Lord, I just pray for all of us. I pray that you would help us identify the one area of our lives where we need to work on joy in. Yeah, if it's an obedience issue, if it's a choosing joy over other emotions, Lord, I pray that we would do that. So much so that it would transform us and it would transform others. And God, I pray for people in our community. I pray for our family members. I pray for our friends. I pray for our coworkers, our neighbors, people that, that we can interact with on a regular basis and tell them the good news. And invite them to a church service where they can hear the good news that can transform their lives. Lord, we understand that Christmas is a time of year that people are more open to coming to church. So Lord, I pray that you would put those people 
on our hearts and on our minds. And I pray that we would be courageous enough and joyful enough to go and talk with them. And Lord, we'll leave the results to you. So thanks for the joy that you've brought to us that we can experience. In Jesus' powerful name we pray, amen. Let's sing.